0: our bodies feel better when we physically move you can't supplement your way into good health how can you strengthen that basket of resilience with what you already know to be true this is the other
1: side of adversity podcast inspiring stories to fill your cup i'm your host laura massey and welcome to the show our guest today is dr catherine Takeyasu, better known as dr katie Dr. Katie practices integrative medicine, combining traditional Western medicine with evidence-based complementary modalities at Stanford Hospital in Connecticut. She helps patients heal naturally with acupuncture, mind-body medicine, botanical medicine, nutrition, and lifestyle optimization. She is an assistant professor of clinical medicine at Columbia University, New York Presbyterian, and teaches the next generation of doctors about healing the whole patient mind, body, and spirit. Today, I'm very excited to welcome to the show, Dr. Katie. Thank you so much for being here.
0: You're so welcome. I'm so happy to be here. So
1: tell our listeners a little about your background and where you're from.
0: So I grew up in the cornfields of Ohio, no joke. My parents live on a little um, plot in a uh, town of 7,000 people. My dad is in a family medicine doctor, there and he practices like traditional family medicine. And so when I was growing up, it wasn't uncommon for, you know, on Saturday afternoon, we'd be out doing something outside and someone would roll up literally in their pickup truck and, you know, head is gaping open and my dad would take them over to his practice and stitch them up. And so I saw from a very young age what it really meant to be a real doctor. And when I got to medical school, I just saw of Likened the way I picked family medicine to the way that I felt when I put on my wedding dress, which is just like, "Hey, this feels right." And so um, I'm really happy to be following in the footsteps of my dad in a way, but also, of course, doing my my own thing, uh, practicing integrated medicine, which is very different than the way he practices medicine back in Ohio. But I'm one of um, one of five kids, and and really just kind of grew up in that big family. With lots and lots of cousins and really good wholesome nutrition, lots of outdoor exercise, fresh air, you know, fresh corn on the cob, lots of fresh vegetables, those kinds of things. And so I get I get my uh, my anchoring pretty pretty accurately, pretty uh, pretty intensely.
1: And how did you come to practice both Eastern and Western medicine?
0: So I'm a, an integrated medicine doctor, which means that I practice. Eastern meets Western medicine. I started doing that after growing up in Ohio and going to med school there and choosing to be a family doctor. And while I was in residency, I started to find myself feeling really unbalanced. And a lot of that was just due to the severe sleep deprivation that we were forced to do because of the work hours. And I found myself really feeling ungrounded. And when I went to go see my primary doctor, he said, maybe you should go see my wife's acupuncturist. And all I can remember feeling was on the acupuncture table, hey, I need to bring this to the masses. And I changed my life trajectory at that time and decided that it would be important for me to eat better food and to exercise more gently and to be as mindful about my sleep as I could. And so I really took all these personal things and brought it to my integrative medicine journey. And so I moved to Stanford Hospital in Stanford, Connecticut, and did an integrative medicine fellowship. And that's where I practice medicine now. So what exactly is integrative medicine? So integrative medicine is that beautiful mixture of all that we know in Western medicine and that we hold true, combined with evidence-based complementary modalities. So the evidence-based and the complementary modalities is very important. So You know, I'm a traditional doctor. I was trained just like every other physician and I have in my capacity, the capacity to write prescriptions and to do procedures and those kinds of things. But most times I choose not to because I have evidence to show that other ways are possible. And so when I do have a patient that, say, has like a headache, my first thought is not to give them Tylenol or Ibuprofen, but actually to say like, hey, what are you doing with your diet? What are you doing with supplements? Could we do some acupuncture for you? Because acupuncture is indicated for the treatment of headaches. And so we use all the different evidence we have out there to construct a plan for a patient so that they can really approach something a little bit more holistically. So integrated medicine doctors do all sorts of things, but we have a huge arsenal of tricks in our bags that we can pull from to really treat patients in a holistic way. And so when I see someone, it's Um, it is about acupuncture, it is about herbs, but the most important thing that we work on together is how are you living your life? How are you really being mindful of your lifestyle? And that really comes down to really solid nutrition, making sure that we exercise and move our bodies every day, that we sleep the best that we can, and then find some amount of connection to the spiritual self. And so that's what I'm coaching patients on every day in my practice.
1: And I know you like to talk about keeping the different bodies healthy. So tell me a little bit more about that.
0: Absolutely. You know, this isn't something I learned in medical school or certainly in residency for that matter, but it's something I've discovered um, working with people like you who do yoga and teach meditation and are really present with the fact that we have lots of different parts of ourselves and that we can be cognizant of all those parts at one time. So I'm very cognizant of the fact that we have physical bodies. And often when I see patients in the office, we're talking about physical things like I have a pain here or my stomach hurts. But we also have emotional bodies. And that's the the place where our emotions come from, where we get anxiety and depression and anger and fear and all those kinds of things. We also have mental bodies, and that's our ability to think and to process and to use what I call like your forebrain, like the brain that's in the front of your head to process things, as well as your hindbrain, which is kind of like your intuition, if you will. We have those kinds of mental capacities. And then, of course, there's the spiritual capacity, which is, if you come right down to it, all of us are really just energy anyway. And the spiritual self is probably the most true self. And so when we think about the different parts of ourselves that make us up, What I will always want patients to tap into is the real you, the real you that lives like in your belly that you connect to when you breathe and when you do yoga and when you're trying to fall asleep at night and when you feel, you know, love for your partner or your family members or your friend, like that's the real you, that, that connection to that real self. And so I try to encourage patients when we're working together to figure out how to connect to those different parts of themselves. I love that. Thank you.
1: And following up on that, the the mind body connection. Like, what are some ways that you in- encourage that to help affect the health or the results of a procedure, for example?
0: So one of my favorite doctors talks all the time about the placebo effect, and the placebo effect is really this just this idea that when we think a certain way about something, that it's probably going to. To work just because we believe it's going to work. And in studies, when they when they do, you know, like randomized controlled trials, and they actually take a substance and they compare it to placebo, very often placebo actually does just as well, or sometimes can even outperform the sub the uh, the substance at hand just because someone's belief in it is so powerful. And we can use this to our advantage. I think it's actually amazing that the placebo effect exists because you can harness that positive intention for your greater good in your body. And so if you come to me for acupuncture and you believe that it's going to work, trust me, your acupuncture is going to be more effective. The same thing goes when you do things in your life that you believe will actually work for you. You're going to notice that they work better than they do for other people. I've seen this happen over and over again with patients over the course of time. And what's really cool, the reason that all of this exists is because we have in our brains the capacity for what's called neuroplasticity. And this is that the neuro connections that we have in our brains are constantly changing. And that the more time we spend doing something or believing something for that matter, the more those connections are strengthened. Now, this could also work to the detriment. So if you are someone who's reliving over and over a past trauma and haven't healed from it, then reliving the past trauma is only strengthening the parts of your brains that are reliving the trauma. So that's not helpful. But if you use things like cognitive behavioral therapy or you work with a therapist or you're doing things in your life that will help to recircuit those neuroconnections, connections, you can actually change the way that your brain fires. And we know that neurons that wire together fire together And that is the whole reason that meditation works so well at helping people to calm down. I'm a naturally anxious person. I didn't always feel that way, but going to medical school, being in residency, being a young mom, having a lot on my plate has made me attuned to the fact that when I get out of balance, like I tend towards anxiety and what helps me connect to myself and to recircuit to stop those bad connections that want to wire towards anxiety has actually been meditation. And so we have seen, it's so interesting in the brains of chronic meditators, people who habitually meditate, they actually have completely different wiring in their brain that light up differently on our functional MRIs and our PET scans than other, than other brains. And so it's possible to change your brain chemistry starting right after this podcast is over by engaging in meditation or something that helps in that nature, which is pretty cool, right? That's awesome.
1: Yeah, so what are your top tips for staying healthy and managing stress and anxiety, especially in difficult times such as these?
0: I know, but these times are, are not easy for sure. You know, I think a lot about all the things that are out there that you could do to, to boost your resilience, but probably the most important is really focusing on the most important parts of building what I call like your basket of resilience. And so when things happen in your life that you can't control, that are totally outside the locus of your control, what you want to do is be able to withstand those ups and downs. And the way that you can withstand those ups and downs is by building a very strong basket in your body that will withstand those stressors when they come in. And the way that you do that is really focusing on the four most important things and that's eating super good food and that doesn't mean you need to be perfect and eat super clean all the time it means you need to do a pretty good job most of the time and just like everything else in life like what you do like 80 to 85 percent of the time is what really matters so don't worry if you have you know the occasional sweet or you, know, you go out to dinner and celebrate someone's birthday and have, a, have a, a bit of pasta, like it's not going to kill you. But what you eat the rest of the time really does matter. And I'm a big advocate of a plant-forward, very vegetable-friendly diet that engages with fruits and vegetables, whole grains, lots of plant-based proteins, omega-3 rich fish, good healthy fats, fermented foods, and lots and lots of water. I'm also a big proponent of exercise and the impact that it has on the body. And I think it really doesn't need to be fancy. It can be just 20 minutes a day of some kind of movement that makes you feel great, whether that's a yoga class, a walk outside, doing pushups in your basement, whatever is available to you, I think you should do it because our bodies feel better when we physically move. And we know that physical movement is at least as good, if not better, than taking antidepressants or anti-anxiety medicines when they've been studied head-to-head. The third thing that's really important is getting enough sleep. Sleep is where you detoxify and where you do all of the good repair in your body that needs to be done after living full days. This is also where your brain is pruning little connections and fixing up what needs to be repaired overnight so that the next day you can start fresh again. And then the last thing that you need to be very cognizant of is your spiritual self and connecting to that in whatever way serves you. So if that's, you know, going to church or synagogue, if that's praying at home, if that's doing a bit of mindfulness or meditation, all of that is really good for your spiritual self. And so you take those four components, nutrition, movement, rest, and your spiritual self, and you really hone in on those. That's your basket of resilience. And in that basket, then you can plant things like a supplement or acupuncture or something else that you're doing to enhance your health. But what I see so often is that patients come in with big bags of supplements thinking that if I just take enough supplements, I'm going to be healthy. And absolutely not. You can't supplement your way into good health, but you can leave your life, your lifestyle in a really great way that will help support you when things are very challenging. And so I encourage all of you that are listening to this podcast to think about how can you strengthen that basket of resilience with what you already know to be true. And then you can pipe in some other things as they seem appropriate.
1: Let's talk about
0: the importance of
1: sleep and some suggestions if you're having trouble sleeping.
0: Sleep is not, does not always come easy. I myself have had bouts of insomnia. They started several years ago when we were renovating our house and we moved, we moved next door and everything kind of got turned upside down. It kind of caught me off guard at the time because I had been through med school. I had been through residency. I had had twin babies. And at the time my kids were three years old, but there were just a couple of changes at work and then they changed an environment and a couple of other things that happened. And it was kind of like the perfect storm and all at once I wasn't sleeping and then what I noticed was every day I was waking up feeling so anxious because I just wasn't having that time to sleep. And at the time I saw a sleep therapist who really changed my life, taught me some behavioral things that I still, you know, hold true to this day. But once you have a sleep issue, it never really goes away. It's just something that you manage. And I have really come to peace with just some nights it's just not easy to sleep. And that's because my mind is very busy and it's hard to quiet down. And I'm just present with that and understand that if it's not tonight and if it's not tomorrow night, then it's probably the third night that it will, that I'll, you know, be able to sleep again. And maybe the rhythm will be, be reset, but there are certain things that can be super helpful to sleep. So I think behaviorally, one thing that I have found really helpful is, is setting up a bedtime routine. So every night, just like I put my kids to bed, I put myself to bed and it starts about an hour before I want to fall asleep. And generally after I put my kids to bed, I head on into my my bathroom and I draw a bath. I soak in magnesium salts, usually one or two cups of Epsom salts. And this allows for transdermal or through the skin absorption of magnesium. I also have a little cup of chamomile tea, not too much. We don't wanna have too much liquid before we go to bed because that'll keep us up going to the bathroom. But just having one cup of chamomile tea and the way you can make that really good and helpful for yourself is one cup of water with two bags steeped for like 10 or 15 minutes. And that allows you to get a little bit stronger chamomile herb into your body. I also then will do some quiet reading of something that's kind of on the boring side so that it's not waking me up. And then I do a little bit of meditation or prayer before bed. And then I start to just allow myself to drift off. And if you've ever had sleeping problems before, you know you can't just fall asleep. Sleep isn't something that just sort of that you can make yourself do. It's something that sort of happens to you. And so what I really encourage patients to do is, you know, not just go, go, go all day long, and then just magically expect to fall asleep, but really make the circumstances in your life and your bedtime routine before you go to sleep to really allow your body to naturally relinquish to rest. And sometimes that helps. That's great. Thank you.
1: And we mentioned Supplements a little earlier. Can you talk about some of your favorite supplements, especially around useful for stress and anxiety?
0: Oh, for sure. So, one of the things that I think is really important and most of us need on a daily basis is vitamin D because it's just so hard to get vitamin D from our food sources. And so, if you are able to be outside, it's my, you know, it would be the best way to get your vitamin D to be outside with, with uh, you know, skin that doesn't have sunscreen on it for 20 minutes. But then of course we get in trouble because that's not good for our skin. So if you find yourself kind of in that, in that conundrum, I recommend um, making sure that you get vitamin D3 into your life. Most of us can tolerate 1,000 or 2,000 international units a day, but you should talk to your doctor if you're curious about like how much exactly you should be taking. I also really love magnesium. Most women specifically are magnesium deficient and magnesium is a super useful supplement not only does it help with relaxation of the body and the mind, it's also helpful for like physical discomfort, like muscle fatigue or just like sore muscles, like after you've done too too difficult of a workout or just feeling stiff from sitting on your bum all day. It's also really good for um, helping kind of ease the stools. So if you have some issues with constipation, it's really helpful that way also. And then interestingly, it also is very helpful for headaches. And, um, and for menstrual cramps. So it's like a total win for women in general to take a little bit of magnesium. And you can do that in several different forms. It's super important to recognize what form you're taking the magnesium because if you take the wrong one, it could give you you know a loose stool, which would not be very, very pleasant. The different types of magnesium would be citrate or oxide if you tend towards having constipation and then a chelated magnesium like glycinate if you tend towards a normal stool or even on the loose side. And any
1: other supplements?
0: Oh, absolutely. There's so many to choose from. One of my favorite supplements, probably my favorite of all time is one called Lemon Balm. And Lemon Balm is a cousin of the mint family. In fact, you can grow it in your garden. It's growing uh, right outside here at the Tully Center at Stanford Hospital. And Lemon Balm, can be steeped. If you grow it in your garden, you can steep it like in a tea. Otherwise, you can buy tinctures of it. You can also find it in supplement or pill form. I kind of like the tincture myself. I lean on the brand Herb Farm. They make great products and you can sort of just dose up with the with as much as you need. So you would do you could do like maybe 15 drops like in a cup of warm water and just sort of see how it affects you. The way lemon balm sort of makes me feel is kind of like I've had like half a glass of wine. It just sort of like makes it a little bit easier not to think so much, but I can't say that it actually makes me sleepy. It just more eases like the mind and eases anxiety. So I find it to be one of the best supplements to use if you're sort of having that busy mind at night that won't let you calm down.
1: Great. Thank you. And can we talk about gut health? I know for me, when I get really anxious, I feel like there's like a ball right in my gut. Like what are things you can...
0: (laughs) It feels so uncomfortable, doesn't it? You know, when you when you feel anxious, that's another time to sort of think about, like, is this feeling of, is this feeling of upset stomach actually in my physical body or like, is it in my emotional body? And then using your mental body to sort of almost talk yourself out of it and recognizing that like those physical signs that we have are often just emotional manifestations. But gut health is a super important thing. And the most important thing as far as gut health is just simply to look at your stool. So every, you know, every day when you go to the bathroom, just taking a look in the bowl of what's in there is really helpful and a great reflection of what's been going on the last, like, say, 24 hours in your body. So if you are having no problems going to the bathroom, it should be you know, generally once a day. It should be pretty easy. You should be in the bathroom just for you know, a few minutes or so. And um, when this tool comes out, it should be formed and theoretically in sort of one sort of snake-like, easy, smooth fashion. If you're finding that it's looking like little balls or it's kind of like really, really lumpy, that would be more like constipation. And if you're finding that it's breaking up, and it's not staying together. And of course, if it's watery, then that would be more like diarrhea. And use your stool to help you figure out what's actually going on. Likewise, you can also use your stool to tell you about like what you ate that may have been pleasing or not so pleasing to you. And so if you had a meal where you had, you know, way too much pizza, and it gives you a tummy ache, and the next day you have not a great looking stool, then you know that pizza is maybe not the best food for you. And vice versa, if you have like, you know, an amazing chia pudding and a bunch of vegetables during the day and, you know, a nice like vegetable curry at night and the next day your, your uh, stool looks really great, then you know that you've done a very good job. The stool is also very responsive to water. So it, making sure that you're drinking enough water every day for most of us, that's like two or three liters. And then making sure, of course, that you're eating lots of fiber-rich foods. Our probiotic mix in our gut is really important too, because your probiotics, those good little bacteria that live there are what's actually helping you to break down your food. And they love fiber-rich foods. So things like asparagus, onions, garlic, if you can tolerate those kinds of things, they're especially good for your little probiotics. And you want those probiotics in there because the probiotics are breaking down all those fiber-rich foods, and making short chain fatty acids, which are like little anti-inflammatory molecules that fly all around the body and really help the body to to really just function at tip top shape. And so the bacteria in our gut is really important and we need to feed them what they want, which is good food. So good food is not only good for us, but it's good for the bacteria. And interestingly, if you eat like 150 calories worth of almonds, our probiotics are eating like 30 of those calories. So that's why quality of food really matters, not just quantity. It's not just about calories. When you eat food that your bacteria want, they actually eat some of it for you. So you don't really get all the calories from the food, which is, I think, even cooler. That's fascinating. I
1: had no idea.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any final thoughts for our listeners? You know, I think at at times like this, when things are uncertain, it can be really ungrounding. And so I encourage everybody to come back to what you know is true in your life and come back to the, the things that help you feel anchored. And so if prepping your meals every Sunday for the week is helping you feel anchored, then I want you to do that. If scheduling your exercise into your working from home schedule is anchoring, then I want you to do that if taking a bath every night feels amazing, then that's what you should be doing. And if calling your mom every day or your grandmother to check in to make sure that they're doing well and sort of just being in in the community in that way, then that's what you should be doing. And so figure out every day, like how do do you feel grounded and and come back to that? Because that's ultimately what's going to get you through this time as things around you are constantly changing and we don't really know what's coming next. I think it's pretty easy to, to get all caught up in like the, the hubbub around you, but take all that energy that's circling around you and bring it back to center and do what you know will make you feel better. And then uh, that ultimately is your secret to success for living your best healthy life.
1: Great, thank you so much. And where can people find you online to learn more?
0: Oh, I have a beautiful website. I love it, com. And on there are all sorts of really great free resources. You can get my thoughts on everything from nutrition to exercise. There's some free meditation and breathing exercises on there. And then you can also read about some of my other ventures, like my 10-day health reset, Dr. Katie Detox, and some of the other products related to that. But it's really a treasure trove of, of information. And I encourage you also to reach out to me on Instagram. I'm Dr. Katie, which is K-A-T-I-E. and I'm also on Facebook at Dr. Dr. Katie Takayasu. So there's lots of ways to connect with me for sure.
1: Great, thank you so much, and I'll put links to those in the in the show notes. That
0: would be amazing. Thanks so much for having me. This has really been such a pleasure. It's been so great to get to know you over the course of time, and I appreciate you uh, inviting me to do this. Thank you.
1: Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you enjoyed this. That's all for this episode of The Other Side of Diversity Podcast. Hope you've been inspired. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the show or leave a review. It's the equivalent of supporting a small business owner. Love fully, live fully, and shine your beautiful light. Thank you.